one question that regularly comes up in client meetings, and that is trying to determine whether a thought that you have is a conscious thought or whether it's an inspired thought. So why is this important? Well, if you go back to the beginning of these episodes, I outlined the executive code methodology and I spoke about aligning your conscious mind or more importantly, your executive center with your unconscious and then with the superconscious. And also on previous episodes, I explained the importance of being guided by your unconscious as opposed to your conscious thinking. Now, if you're not familiar with what I covered in this regard, then it would be really worth going back over those previous episodes. So then when you understand why it's so much more important to follow your unconscious thoughts than your conscious thoughts, then you'll understand why it's also important to develop your connection with your unconscious. And the thing that then comes up for people is trying to determine whether their thoughts are conscious thoughts or whether they're thoughts from your unconscious, or as I prefer to call them, inspired thoughts, as there's a very different feeling that comes with inspired thoughts. Now, consider inspired thoughts as being like nudges or guidance, and your unconscious knows so much more than your conscious thoughts do. Now, you'll understand why from previous episodes. So the important thing is to follow your unconscious or your inspired thoughts as much as you possibly can. Think of it this way. Imagine that you've just arrived at a party and there's loads of people there. The music is playing loudly and all the people are trying to speak to each other. And because of the loud music, they too have to speak loudly also. And there's all the noise that's going on around. There's the dancing, the clinking of glasses, the movement of the waiters amongst the crowd and all sorts of other noises. Now imagine yourself there at the party as you stand there at the edge of the room being bombarded by all the sounds. And you're there looking around and scanning the room for a familiar face. And as you do, you manage to see one of your dear friends standing on the opposite side of the room and you've managed to make eye contact with them. But because of all the people that are at the party and in the room, you can't get to move across the room to stand closer to your friend and have a conversation with them. So you begin to shout out short messages to them, like in little sound bites, and you make hand and face gestures in the hope that they understand. And they also do the same for you. So there you are trying to have a conversation back and forth between the two of you. You get some of what they say, but not all of it. And then there are other times you misunderstand what they're saying to you and you end up responding with something totally off topic. And after a while of this going back and forth, you begin to give up as it's just too awkward to try and have a decent conversation. So either you move on or they move on in the party. But what if you manage to quieten everything down? You lowered the music and so the people stopped dancing. And in fact, everyone in the room just stopped moving altogether to the point that everything is completely still all like mannequins in the room, except for you and your friend. And now with complete silence in the room, with you still on one side of the room and your friend on the other side, you can now have a conversation. Despite the fact that there is a distance between the two of you, you can still carry on a conversation. You can now hear more clearly what they're telling you, and there's a lot more understanding and less confusion. You actually start to really enjoy the conversation and love hearing what they have to say. It's just so very different. You see, listening to your unconscious and getting those inspired thoughts, it's just like being at a party. You desperately want to have a conversation with your friend, or in other words, your unconscious, across the other side of the room, but there's just so much noise. You're being bombarded with all the different sounds. You even miss some of what they say and you misunderstand parts of what they say too. So what has to happen in order for you to hear your friend or in fact, for you to hear your unconscious. Well, 
You've got to turn down the sound and eliminate all the noises. You've got to get everyone and everything to be still, like the mannequins. You've just stop everything that's going on and just be and just listen. That's your first step in developing a relationship with your unconscious. It's the step to be there in the silence. And I'm emphasizing be particularly because it's all about being in that moment, being in the silence. By stopping everything, it means you stop your activities where you're busy trying to figure it all out, to stop your conscious thinking, to stop the planning, to stop the fears and the worries, to stop the busyness of everything and just be. When you do that, then you're on the road to building a relationship with your unconscious. Because building a relationship with your unconscious is much like building a relationship with your friend. You need to understand how they communicate. Do they use visual, sound, feeling, taste or smell? Do they use images or metaphors for you to interpret? Can you determine the urgency when they tell you something to act on? There are so many nuances to how your unconscious will communicate with you. Now, developing a relationship with your unconscious is discovering all those nuances to the point that you have fun and enjoy the conversation, much like the same way you would with a friend. So what are some of the things that you can do to develop that relationship and to quieten the mind, and more importantly, to quieten the conscious thinking? Now, there's so many things that you can try, but you've got to get the one or the few that works for you. When I'm working with my clients, there's a couple in particular that I found to be of huge benefit for my clients. But some of the most common ones are in essence a form of meditation because ultimately it's about quietening the mind from all the conscious thoughts. So whether it's walking in nature, practicing mindfulness, painting, singing, dancing, or pure meditation, what's important is to quieten the mind of the conscious thinking and being in the moment. It's in those moments that you get to experience what's referred to as bliss. When you do that, then you're well on your way to developing the relationship with your unconscious. And remember what I said in a previous episode, that relationship works both ways. Now, if you've never experienced a state of bliss while doing any of these activities, then you're likely to give up doing the activity because without experiencing the state of bliss, then it would just feel like work. Even though you're maybe just sitting there meditating, it will still seem like work and not beneficial if you haven't experienced the actual state of bliss. The state of bliss is like the porthole to your unconscious. It's that porthole that you'll want to go back to time and time again, like that desire to see your dearest friend again and again. Once you've experienced it, then it becomes a priority in your daily routine. It's in that state of bliss that you get a glimpse of the vastness of the unconscious. I also talked about infinity on a previous episode, and being in a state of bliss gives you a glimpse of that infinity. So now you know why you would want to develop that two-way communication and relationship with your unconscious. And you now know what some of the activities are that you can do to develop that relationship. And you now know that there is different nuances when it comes to the communication with your unconscious. But how about determining the difference between your conscious thoughts and your unconscious thoughts, or in other words, your inspired thoughts? Well, firstly, if you develop the relationship and understand the state of bliss, then this will help you greatly. But let me give you something to work with for the moment. You see, conscious thinking is an activity, meaning you're actively doing something meaning you're you're actively thinking. You're trying to figure out a problem or you're trying to plan for the future or you're trying to think about what to do next. It's all thinking. It's an activity. You're doing something. 
And some people will add other activities to this kind of thinking, like brainstorming with other people, or trying to creatively think of different options or ideas. But again, it's an activity. You're actively thinking. That's conscious thinking. You do it every day. You do it most of your day. When you get up in the morning, you're consciously thinking about what clothes you're going to wear. When you get to the office, what activities you're going to do. When you're at meetings, what responses you're going to give to the people. When you go home, what's the meal you're going to have for dinner and so on. Throughout your whole day, the majority of people are consciously thinking about what they're going to do next. And not only for the day, but for the weeks, the months and years into the future. Now, I said in my first book, Evolve, that the difficulty that people have is that they think too much. So when you're thinking, you're taking control of your thoughts. You're taking control of what's happening. In some respects, you're in the driving seat determining which way you want to go. Now, I say in some respects because that's not necessarily the case. But that's a much deeper conversation altogether. But for now, I want you to get the idea and understand what's happening when you're consciously thinking. When you do that, then it will be easier for you to differentiate between your inspired thoughts and your conscious thoughts. So what is an inspired thought then? Well, inspired thoughts come into your mind out of the blue. You could be doing an activity like painting or writing about a completely different subject matter, or you could be playing a sport and all of a sudden you get a thought in your mind. Now, it will seem like a random thought because you weren't actually thinking about that particular subject matter at the time. Or you could be walking down the street and you see something that literally stops you in your tracks and for a split second you pause in your thinking. You could be watching a movie and then for whatever reason, something that you see in the movie or words that were used seem to resonate with you in some way. You see, inspired thoughts don't always have to come from inside of you. They can come externally also. But here's some of the differences that you'll experience with an inspired thought. You see, with inspired thoughts, the internal feeling is very different. There's an element of excitement that comes with inspired thoughts. There's a sense of fun, joy, lightness. There's a sense of opportunity and possibility and even an element of wonderment. Now, when you begin to develop that relationship with your unconscious and the different nuances, you'll get to know more and be able to go deeper with those inspired thoughts. So like what I said earlier, that inspired thought might come in the form of a word or an image or a metaphor or a sound or a smell or the name of a person or a place. But always with inspired thoughts are those elements of excitement, joy, fun, opportunity, possibility and wonderment. However, inspired thoughts can come rapidly and therefore if you're not fully in tune, then you can misinterpret that thought or you can miss some of the information that is contained in the thought. A bit like as I described when you're talking with your friend at the party from across the room, there are times that the message will be misunderstood or you miss some of the elements of what they're telling you or you can't quite get what they're saying. Inspired thoughts are the same until you've developed a relationship to a very, very high level. Because here are some of the things that happen when people get inspired thoughts. Firstly, if you're not aware of what's happening, then you just dismiss them and, and treat them as a random thought. Next, if you're not paying full attention to how you should go throughout your day, then you won't even recognize the inspired thoughts because you're too busy doing everything else. You're too busy consciously thinking and consciously looking at the next activity that needs to be done. And then for those that get the inspired thought and can recognize it as an inspired thought, you'll allow your conscious thinking to override that inspired thought. You see, the inspired thought takes place in split seconds. That's why some people can miss some of the information or misinterpret it or miss the nuances or the deeper feelings and the deeper knowings that come with inspired thoughts. And because the inspired thought is so quick, your conscious thinking will kick in. 
And depending on your state of mind or how you feel about yourself or your confidence, your self-belief and, and so on that I spoke about at, on earlier episodes, then your conscious thinking can take over that inspired thought and start to take it apart. So let me give you an example. Say you're going about your day and all of a sudden you get an inspired thought. Now remember an inspired thought is a communication from your unconscious. So there you are going about your day and you get an inspired thought. And let's just say that that inspired thought is to make contact with a person that you haven't spoken to in quite a while. Now, if you're sensitive to the inspired thought, then you'll be able to pick up all the information that is contained in that thought, all the different nuances that happen in that inspired thought. But for most people, their conscious thinking will kick in and it will then start a narrative in your mind along the lines of, why would I make contact with that person? What would I even say to them? I haven't spoken to them in such a long time. It would seem strange for me to contact them out of the blue. What would they even think of me if I was to contact them randomly? How would I even start a conversation? Should I ring them? Should I email them? But I have so many things to do throughout today. Oh, look, do you know what? I'll just leave it as they probably won't want to even hear from me. You see, that's the typical conversation that will go on in your head as long as you want it to go on in your head. So you see, the inspired thought comes in But then our conscious thinking starts to weigh it all up, the pros and cons and the reasons why we should dismiss it. It tries to work out all the logistics along with the worry and the struggle of what might be entailed. That's why if you don't understand what's happening and you don't develop that relationship with your unconscious, then you miss out on all of what's possible. And remember, with inspired thoughts, actions need to be taken. There's no point in getting an inspired thought and doing nothing. Then you've just wasted it. As regards how quickly you should take action, well, that depends on the inspired thought. As I said earlier, the more sensitive you are to the inspired thoughts, the better your relationship is with your unconscious, so that you can then determine all the different nuances. And you then be able to determine better how quickly you should take action with the inspired thought. Now, if this is something that you'd like to develop for yourself and you want to have guidance in developing it, then by all means get in touch with me. Just head over to theexecutiveco.com and all my contact details are there. I'd really love to hear from you as there's many, many ways in which we can actually work together. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So it would be really great if you could give this podcast a review on Apple iTunes and let your friends and colleagues know about it. But as always, until next time, I wish you every success.